welcome to the Everything Theatre podcast, brought to you by Everything Theatre, a theatre review and interview website covering more than just London Fringe Theatre. Each week we'll bring you interviews with some of the best that Fringe Theatre has to offer. We'll talk to theatre makers about new shows, hear about the art of making the plays, talk about some of the wonderful venues you may never have heard of before. In short, we will chat Everything Theatre and what makes it tick. So let's dive straight in and hear what today's episode has to offer. I'm talking to Jane Morris. Jane is the writer of Eight Legs, Eight Arms, which was one of the shows that performed as The Fright Before Christmas, a collection of horror stories put on the Space Arts Centre. So, Jane, lovely to meet you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your theatre background is? Yeah, absolutely. My name's Jane. Uh, I am primarily a writer and director. My work previously, I was a writer on season two of the podcast Radio Elusia by Boundless Theatre, uh, and our, I was one of the writers on our live episode at London Podcast Festival, which is out just now actually it came out like a week or two ago uh, the recorded version and previous to that I've directed things I directed uh, and and wrote a musical about the Russian Revolution which toured around England in 2019 and was going to go to the Edinburgh Fringe in 2020 when some mysterious thing prevented that from happening yes. yeah and so that's kind of my background and I'm now a first year uh, student at Rose Bruford uh, studying theatre and social change which is where I met the three other members of the Eight Legs, Eight Arms company, and we sort of decided to make something over the course of our first term, and that was what eventually became Eight Legs, Eight Arms. Yeah. So, so Eight Legs, Eight Arms, I mean, so I saw this, say, a couple week, no, a week ago now, wasn't it? Only a week. Mm-hmm. It's an intriguing piece of theatre, I say. It was part of a, say, just to give a breakdown of what the night was, it was six horror shorts put together by... Um, Harpy Productions and Dance McCabe. The, the, the remit basically was write a 10 minute horror story, wasn't it? Or a 10 minute horror play. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Eight Legs, Eight Arms, because I mean, I, it was an absolutely intriguing piece of theatre. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a question which I'm sure lots of people were asking even <laughs> after they'd watched it. Oh, uh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, Eight Legs, Eight Arms is a piece of surreal horror about. The literal story is uh, a woman is walking home alone at night. There is a voice in the back of her head telling her she should be frightened. She meets another woman who is actually a spider, who she in some way finds threatening. She lashes out. She kills the other woman. She goes inside her house. She locks the door. That's sort of the literal events Mm. which happen. And then there's a lot of other things going on in terms of what is being said and what is being enacted. Yeah, it came about, I mean, I think you're going to ask this, but but I no, think it, it helps it. to give it some context of like, I got sent the link to Harpy Productions' call out by a friend of mine, the brilliant playwright Chloe Yates, uh, who wrote A Rat, A Rat at the Golden Goose. Oh, Theater, yeah, yeah, I know that. that. Yeah, yeah, um, brilliant playwright. I love, I love Chloe, I think she's great. But um, she sent it to me because she knows horror is my thing. And I sat down with a, 
I asked sort of in my class if they sort of if anyone was sort of interested in working on it on a sort of horror piece and I got the three people who became the cast uh Beth Clark uh Nea Ranganathan and Helena Fisher who are the the three actors in the piece and I asked them what they were scared of and that week was the week of the Wayne Cousins uh, sentencing and so that was all we could talk about of, of course and so the piece is sort of about, I mean, the piece is very much about that. And and it's become, with each new draft, it became less explicitly about that. But I think that is still, in terms of understanding it, I think it's useful to sort of have that in mind, that it is, it, it came out of the conversation which was going on about walking home alone at night and the idea of safety and of feeling mm. safe. I think there's a, there's a complicated thing about how we talk about safety, which I think is really interesting. And so that's sort of what what motivates that that piece and it's you know it's very surreal and very dense text quite an overwhelming piece of text there's a lot of images and flashes of things and it's not necessarily designed to be totally understood the whole time it's more about trying to give a feeling uh, in a sort of poetic sense I hope that I hope that's useful yeah it, yeah no no I mean it was I I found it really fascinating piece to watch for it's abstract you know the it was very abstract and it was very it was intriguing to try and sort of piece what you were aiming at with it. Um, there was a lot, I mean, obviously eight legs, eight arms refers both to spiders and the oct- octopi. Why, why octopus? It's a great question. Um, it's because there's a couple of things. I, I am a big lover of cosmic horror, weird fiction, probably my favourite sort of horror properties are things like Delta Green, which are based in the Lovecraft universe there's a great writer named Caleb Stokes who has a has been a huge influence on my writing in terms of being someone who mixes weird fiction and surreal horror with a sort of economic or political horror in a way I find really interesting but yeah but the thing about octopuses is they are sort of Lovecraftian horror is so tied to tentacles and that felt interesting and I did once when I was walking home alone at night I came to my front door and there was an enormous spider on the keyhole. And I was like, that's extremely funny to be, and, and to be kind of scared of, am I being followed? Is there someone behind me? And then you get to your door and you want to get in as quickly as possible. But this thing, which shouldn't be scary is preventing you from getting into the safety of your house. Despite the fact it couldn't hurt you. That felt interesting. And I suppose there's the issue of sort of, there's the thing behind you you're scared or the imaginary thing behind you you're scared off and this spider in front of you you're scared off and which is which is most which, yeah dangerous to you yeah exactly and the truth is neither are because one is imaginary and one is not is harmless but both both create a very real feeling of fear and that felt interesting and then the other thing the biggest inspiration for the piece actually is the brilliant china melville who is a weird fiction writer i think probably one of the best living British novelists, or they have a speech called On on Marxism and Halloween, which is kind of about, uh, it's which is a Marxist analysis of fear and of Halloween and of dread and of horror stories. They open with this story about scientists noticing octopuses carrying tools and, and try and the difference between monkeys using tools because they go I'm going to take a stick and I'm going to put it in an anthill and then I'm going to eat the ants using the stick. That's one future. They know exactly each step. But an octopus, when they pick up something to use to defend themselves, they're using a tool. They're going in case something happens, which means octopuses have the ability to understand that there are multiple possible futures. And that's 
a wild thing in terms of talking about the development of sentience. And so that felt really exciting. And so that sort of forms like the thesis at the beginning of the play, the whole opening monologue is kind of a retelling of that story. So those are the things which led me to octopuses and, and spiders. And then the nice thing about them both having eight, eight limbs, which then means you can contrast them and go, who gets treated better in society, octopuses or spiders, which felt like a really fun, weird metaphor. Was it always the attention that this was always just go be a short or as it starts as short, but you're fit, would you think about expanding this? Because um, is there a future life as a, as a full length play out of this? I, I think it's interesting because I definitely do. I do write plays with very conventional dialogue and that is something I, I, I can do broadly, but I do have a deep, a real love for the like, very weird, very overwhelming stream of consciousness, a uh, wall of like text containing words, which I don't always even understand myself. Like that sort of, I think there's something about that, which I really enjoy because it allows space for you to not worry about what is being said so much as what it's making you feel and what questions you're asking. In that sense, Eight Legs, Eight Arms for me is finished in as much as it's it, it is it tells the story it needs to tell i think anyway and it exists as what it is and i don't necessarily know how i would expand that into a full-length play but that style of writing is something i used sort of in various different pieces and something i'm continuing to use i just released a very short vid text interactive fiction video game thing which people can find on my twitter if they're interested <laughs> And and that sort of is uses a lot of those techniques of like quite overwhelming blocks of text and some of the same themes even around like dread and of questions of who who you should be afraid of, which I think is really is really quite interesting to me anyway. So eight legs, eight arms is probably done in the sense of I don't know how I could expand it into an hour-long piece. But those techniques and those themes are mm. definitely something I am still looking at and interested in revisiting so yeah. you might borrow from it rather than rather yeah. use the whole thing you might just borrow what you've learned from it or what you've put into it it'd be, it'd be interesting to see because say it was yeah it was an intriguing piece of theater it was 10 minutes of just sitting there thinking i'm not quite sure what's going on but i'm enjoying it, it <laughs> yeah yeah it, yeah it, it stood out and we'll talk about this in a minute about the whole evening but um there was also say lots of, and you've mentioned this already but lots of imagery about violence against women you also mentioned a lot of serial killers in the piece didn't you there's lots yeah. of reference what was was again was this all about just emphasizing the the you know, the issue of of violence against women yeah and i think it's about to be, so to be sort of specific about the piece, there are three characters. There is the spider, played by Helena Fisher. There is the walker, played by uh, Nairanganathan. And there is the voice, played by Beth Clark. And the voice is sort of two major monologues in the actual main part of the play. One where she's talking about, she's describing the aftermath of a woman being murdered. And another where she's describing the aftermath of, of, of a woman being arrested for murder. And the thing which I don't know how clear it is in the text of the play, but the thing I was really interested in is what makes a bad person, what makes a threatening, scary person. Because we sort of, you're right, there's the Ted Bundy, Zodiac, Freddy Krueger, Dracula, the four sort of like increasingly cliched horror, you know, scary, scary white men. 
who do who do exist and they're you know serial killers do exist in our world but what i think was really in my head around the sarah everard murder was this guy was a serving police officer this is a symbol of safety especially in the years you know i remember when the idea of abolishing the police or abolishing prisons was like despite the fact people have been writing academically on it for the better part of 50 years was not something which came up in casual political conversation and then the uprisings in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd happened and suddenly this question of how we relate to police and to the institution of policing felt really like present in a way I thought was very exciting and and also quite grim because of what made it necessary you know the arc of the piece is the walker goes from this metaphor of an octopus being hunted and feeling afraid walking home alone at night and then she encounters another woman who in some way she finds threatening despite her not actually being a threat at all and she lashes out and kills her mm. and then she ends with this story this story about an octopus hunting other smaller octopuses and so really that's about pretty patel right that's about how does a brown woman end up passing some of the most racist okay. legislation in the world or it's about i mean this was the metaphor i was talking about with with neo and when we were discussing who that character was you know there's a there's the pretty patel thing there's also the crested dick thing of like how do you get to a position where someone goes from oppressed to oppressor and how did that happen in one in one night's walk mm. home that felt interesting and it felt yeah so so there, i mean there were a few different things going on in terms of where i was coming at this journey from so it is about violence against women and that is true but and there's a thing of when Helena comes in, she starts talking about the bloody code and petty treason, which was a, a historical period where women for the same crimes as men would be burned at the stake instead of hung, would die a much worse death because it was seen as going against the natural order of things. I think you see that now when women who kill abusive husbands face far stiffer prison terms than All men the, who kill their Yeah, wives. also, or they become much bigger stories, don't they? Because... yeah. And make it look like it's you know, a worse crime because it's a bigger story because it's actually so unusual. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think the thing which is interesting to me is, yes, there's someone, there could be someone following you home alone at night, right? Like that's an experience I've had. Mm. But also the really dangerous thing is not that one guy. It's the whole systems and institutions which allow that one guy. You know, serial killers don't, serial killers are not smarter than anyone else. It's just that often the serial killers who spend years not getting caught are preying on black women or brown women or sex working women or gay men. Like they're preying on people the police cannot find it within themselves to care about. And that's the dangerous thing is it's not one man with a knife. It's the hundreds of people who don't care. And so that's like, and I don't know how clear any of that is, but that was what was informing the writing. Wow. And I don't think necessarily that has to be super obvious all the time but, but it's in the background in the text. yeah and it's useful for us as a company when we're making it to go here's what we can touch on to remember yeah. what this is about yeah i did i didn't get yeah the pity patel and chris dix references but now you say it it makes sense and it's really it's really interesting yeah it's i say it was it was a fascinating piece so it was fascinating just to watch it and pull out all these sort of references and that and try and piece together what you were aiming at and sometimes that's what's good isn't it you might not get it yeah. all 
but it's really fascinating to sit and watch something like that to try and you know try and get into your head to sort of think what what were you thinking what were you aiming at and I think yeah. I've probably got about 50 percent of it by the sounds of it so but that's great 50 percent is great it's, I'm, it's I'm not- a big fan of Brecht and of you know Brecht is my big hero and so that thing of going like look this is not all going to make sense and it doesn't yeah. have to I'm just asking you to ask some questions about what you're what you're seeing and that I think is really exciting and and yeah. I always say great theatre is ones that you want to sit in the pub and debate afterwards yeah yeah and yours would clearly be one we would I would sit down with someone and argue <laughs> till we got kicked out of the pub at midnight yeah so so i think it, it works it, you know for me it worked on that level because it, it left it left more questions and i think I, I had answers for so it was a fascinating piece now you mentioned someone sent you the information when they um, when half yes. productions put out the sort of call for writers was this piece already in your head at the time or did you then sit down and write it specifically for the fright before christmas it, it's definitely the themes as i've kind of said like the themes are things I'm interested in and I return to again and again. Most of my writing at the moment is about how we define bad people and what that means, because I think that's really interesting. I'm a transgender woman, which I think is probably fairly obvious to you, might not be obvious to people listening at home. But the word, there was an, this is a slight tangent, but I'll say it briefly. There was an, uh, an Anglo-Saxon slur or insult for effeminate men or men who thought they were women people we probably nowadays call trans women which was badal and badal is the origin of the modern english word bad so when we talk about being bad or being bad people badness or bad behavior there's something really fascinating to me about that and what that means for me and how i understand myself so those themes were in my head but what happened was in our brilliant course theatre and social change uh which is a, a ba course we have we have sort of slots every monday evening where we can work on whatever work we want to make i i've sort of i saw that call out and i was like i could write a script and submit a script that was a thing you could you could do you could submit a script without a cast or a director or anything like that but i thought it would be a cool opportunity and really fun to ask these people who i just met are any of you interested in horror would any of you like to devise and work on and then be in this piece it was developed for this evening it was also developed for ourselves in the sense of none of us had been on stage in two years I think except maybe Beth most of the other three I'm I'm the oldest on my course pretty much uh, most of the other three had not acted outside of s- school plays okay. like going on stage in front of a hundred people you don't know and going look this could go really well. This could go really terribly. Either way, it's exciting. Either way, that's wonderful. So that felt important. And that was kind of what was driving us, I think, was like, look, this could, we don't know if this will work, but let's go out there and just see how we feel about standing on a stage again. I hadn't directed in two years, you know. So, and I think if there's anything I'm really critical about, I don't like my, I increasingly dislike the directorial choices I made on the piece, but that's life. Like you learn from that. That's, yeah. that's exciting. I mean, how supportive were, um, say, Half Productions and Dance Macabre mm. in, in putting this all together with you? They were really lo- I mean, we deliberately did not super lean on, lean on them because I think the thing for us was like, we need to know that we could do this by ourselves. Like, Brilliant, yeah. It is useful to know that next term or in two years' time or in five years time we could all get together in a room and make a show without needing uh, you know one of our lecturers to come in and give us notes and guide us through it like we can make things on our own terms felt exciting 
But once we got there for the tech, I mean, we had a slightly weird tech because I'm autistic, Beth is also autistic, and our tech time had slightly changed, and that just threw us off because, like, <laughs> having things start at the time, yeah. which is not the time you thought it was going to start, is just like, oh my god. But, um, but you know, we had a we had a really lovely time, and then you know, everybody was just really lovely. There was a real celebratory party atmosphere about being back in theatres doing really weird silly fun plays mm. yeah you know I just had a great time it was lovely meeting all the other artists and creatives like they were all so generous I mean it didn't, it didn't feel like a competitive night even though we ended up voting mm. on who was who, who was our favorite it didn't feel that competitive it felt like it was just yeah. a chance to see six short plays six very different I mean Yours, Freddy's, stood out mm. as completely outside the usual horror sort of boundaries. But even the others, every every play had its own uniqueness, didn't it? And it was great yeah. to see such such variety. Was there anything you you what what did any of the plays jump at you? What did you enjoy on the night? I mean, I obviously flip the switch is brilliant. Flip the switch was was the standout just for being so horrible in such an exciting way i mean talk about how we define bad people or thinking of ourselves as bad people that was really interesting to me and all the company really loved it i yeah i thought that was incredible but i have to say i loved i think it's sister insider and i keep nearly saying i don't sister know if this inside. Is a, sister inside sister inside i think there's an audrey lord book called sister outsider and i keep going to call uh. it that and that's a very different <laughs> thing but i love sister inside because my favorite film of this year pretty much although if i do get to see the matrix resurrections this year it might be knocked <laughs> off its pedestal but was was a film called malignant by james warren which if people have seen it was a bonkers bonkers really weird film with a very similar plot line and i loved that i just love the body horror i think you know body horror is a really exciting weird upsetting thing to experiment with and play with and it, you know the reason I saw Malignant was because um Alison Rumford who wrote Tell Me I'm Worthless which I need to read which is a brilliant or I hear is a brilliant trans haunted house story was all she could talk about for like a week was that Malignant was actually a trans film actually because it's about struggling with your body and feeling like your body isn't your own and that that was really exciting and I love. I also love Mr. James. When I was a bit younger, before the pandemic, I used to volunteer at the Bristol Old Vic back when I lived near Bristol. Which is also part of why I care so much about the Pretty Patel thing, is because Bristol has been pretty central to the protest against the yeah. police and crime sentencing bill. But yeah, sorry, <laughs> separate point. But when I used to be, when I used to volunteer at the Bristol Old Vic, I'd be stationed up in the sound gallery in the sound design exhibition by myself with nobody else there and I'd be stood there I'd stand there and I would read Mr. James stories on my phone if anybody doesn't know Mr. James he was a brilliant ghost writer of ghost stories in the late Victorian early Edwardian period he wrote things like a whistle and I'll come to you my lad and warning to the curious brilliant ghost stories but I would stand there and I would read them and occasionally a sound effect a faulty sound effect would go off and I'd just hear a scream from in the gallery and it would and I don't know why I kept reading these ghost stories when every time I'd get freaked out but it was I mean it was great so I love Mr. James I love Malignant and and Body Horror and so a story which brought those two things together in a really funny fun horrible upsetting way 
was just joyous. So I love that. I mean, and I thought Tootingbeck Asylum had some really interesting ideas and was also very Jamesian in terms of the way it was approaching ghost stories. You know, I thought they were all really good. Yeah. But, but Sister Inside is probably really my favourite, even mm -hmm. though Flip the Switch is, Flip the Switch is, I, I think, objectively the best. But Sister Inside was was really yeah important. so for you what what comes next what's 2022 got lined up for you i have essays due that's the main <laughs> that's the first thing on my mind and then but then really i should have a short play called there is no alternative on uh produced by get over it productions that i think is still happening i covid allowing i mean everything's up in the air at the moment, yeah. so who knows and i've also I don't know how much I should say about this, but I read a play last year called Nude about uh, a trans woman painter and a cis uh, woman who's a nude model, which is sort of like a two-hand or one-act thing with uh, with the help of the wonderful Theatre West who paid for some dramaturgy from Matt Grinter, who wrote Orca, who's a brilliant playwright and a wonderful friend. But that play has... I am, there is a theatre who have asked me about maybe putting it on. So if that goes on, that would be very exciting. And in terms of, uh, and also, you know, we'll just see how we go. Like, there are always opportunities for 10 minute plays. And so, and it's always fun to go, look, it'll take us, you know, maybe a month of like occasional rehearsals around our classes. Let's see if we can pull something together, which is exciting. So, you know, I don't have loads of things set in stone. Oh, I should actually, I do have one thing set in stone. I am going to be a member of the March, April Royal Court Young Writers Introduction to Playwriting Group. Which okay. Is very exciting. Very good. So, yeah, I, which was amazing because I, I was shortlisted last year. And then this year, I finally made it into the group, which is very mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. So that's, that's something I definitely will be doing. And I'll, I will be writing players part of that. And we'll see. I don't have loads of things set in stone. I don't think this is a good time to be setting things in it's... stone. I think this is a good time to be flexible and reactive. But, yeah, uh, which we'll hopefully, where we go. yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's very hard to plan right now, but hopefully this this uncertainty will lead us to do things perhaps we wasn't thinking about. So maybe yeah. maybe we'll see some more different things. It would be great to see more nights like the Friday Before Christmas. Say yes, it was a great chance to see say six young sort of emerging artists you know or emerging theater groups writers directors performers yeah. it'd be great to see something like that quite regularly so i'm sure there's a scope out there and i think what what it showed with this one night was just how much great untapped talent there probably is out there so yeah fingers crossed yeah. we'll see more of that next year it's been absolutely lovely to speak to you. Say, let's just um, so say Jane Morris, Eight Legs, Eight Arms was the show. But say, we'll get all the information up on the website and say links to your Twitter and everything. We'll make sure are included so people can check out what you are doing next. Jane, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for your time and good luck with sort of 2022. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening. Please check out our website at everything-theatre.co.uk where you can find reviews and past interviews that we've done. And please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes where we'll be talking to more of the amazing people who make theatre the wonderful place it is. This has been Everything Theatre. We hope you enjoyed. Yay!